0: Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock Podcast.
1: It was like a rocket taking off. We knew it was fresh. We knew we had something, but we were lacking an element. and Of course, that element was Ian Dempsey. And Ian came and then literally the entire project went into the stratosphere. It was incredible. I mean, every single Jay and Alora book was going up, 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 Mm. up, up. We'd over a million a week at at one stage. Mm. It was incredible.
0: Well, I had the pleasure of working with Phil Cawley in Today FM for over 20 years. During his time in the station, Phil presented one of the most listened to weekend radio shows in the country. He also regularly stood in for many of his Today FM weekday presenter colleagues, including Ian Dempsey. And so Phil and I got to work together and got to know each other on The Breakfast Show many times, something which he admits freaked him out quite a bit. And you're about to find out Why? Phil is a genuine legend of Irish radio One of the good guys And he's also a real character We got stuck into all sorts of things during our chat Like the history and the future of Irish radio The mad things he has experienced while DJing at weddings Including bridezillas And cocaine fueled guests Meeting Elton John in Las Vegas And why he thinks he might be on the spectrum And lots more I remember actually doing a wedding. It was a beautiful
1: venue. It was extremely well organized, and there was no atmosphere in the wedding because I'd say 60 to 70% of the guests at that wedding were out of their tree. And I'm including the bride and groom on this one, mm. who will probably never remember their wedding. I kind of have this spectrum dar yeah. I kind of always know When someone's a bit odd <gasps> Or you think they're angry When they're, they're just nervous They're yeah. just afraid And I will always Always insist on making an approach I drove an unmarked van For a pharmaceutical company Delivering drugs to Clover Hill. <laughs> right? <laughs> Mount Joy Midlands And leash Prisons Wow Every drug you could think of The back of my little van
0: My full chat with the radio legend that is Phil Cawley coming up in a couple of minutes. But first, the big news this week. Well, there's loads of big news as always. But Brian Dobson is leaving RTE a year early, uh, 37 years after uh, joining them. And what a legend uh, Brian Dobson has been and hopefully will continue to be. I actually think somebody like News Talk should come along and snaffle him if they had the the good sense. But anyway, um, we got exclusive access to Brian Dobson's voicemails this week. How do we do it?
2: Good afternoon. The headlines, the RTE news and current affairs legend, Brian Dobson, is to leave RTE after 37 years of magnificent... Oh, that's me. Leave a message. (laughs) Dobbo, it's Tubbs! Over in London heard the news. Oh, you well, you are the news. <laughs> ah, listen, Dobbo, get over here to London. Myself and Chris Evans, Graham Norton, we're like maggots. We're like kids at the back of the classroom. We're out in the lash every night. Oh, and the newsreaders over here, they're crap. <laughs> you clean up, Dobbo. Get over. Ha! <laughs> uh-uh.
0: Howie and Brian, it's it, it it's Bertie Ahern here. Just wanted to say, uh, 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 well done on, on the 37 years. And I, I remember the interview we did together when 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 you asked me where, where I got the money, and uh, I became I became I became emotional. And well, uh, actually, I'm filling up now here here in the house. So, I don't actually. I don't actually own the house. Uh, i was just saying that the, I just have a lend of a house from 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 a friend of mine, a good friend. But uh, anyway, well, well done, Brian. Thanks.
2: Brian, it's Louis Walsh idea. RTE News, the musical. <laughs> I've been on the phone to loads of other Anne Doyle and Eileen Dunn. They're up for it. Angus McGrina says he's interested. If you go for it, this could be huge, Brian. It's Mamma Mia with newsreaders. Let's do this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, let's head straight over to the studio. By the way, exclusive comedy, of course, every week on the Mario Rosenstock podcast. And don't forget, you can contact me um, directly. It's Rosenstock at gmail.com. I read them all and I get back to 90% of them. Okay, let's head over straight to the studio where Phil Cawley is ready and waiting. This was actually not the first time we had tried to do this interview. And so I had to start by apologizing to him. Phil I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry Why am I sorry Phil? I know why you're sorry
1: Because um, When I came in the last time uh, As well as being in An emotional state Right um, Because it was my first time In the building in a while um, we, did a, we, did a, we did a great recording mm-hmm. But uh, what happened to you Ironically Ironically was a story that I told you in the podcast about uh, Kelly Jones from the Stereophonics coming in for an interview with me and me doing the entire interview with Kelly and then realising I forgot to press record. Guess who else that happened to? Me! <laughs>
0: wow. Well, I didn't press... F- I didn't well, sort f- of. I didn't forget to press record but we had a big technical problem, a kind of a glitch, a, growl, um, a gremlin in the computer system and I had to... We had to ring you... The grovelling email. I know, the grovelling email. We had to ring you and say, Phil, that t- thanks for coming up to Dublin and doing the hour-long interview with Mario and then and it's like, home again or, or driving home again, yeah, and now we 've lost it all If I
1: was a cynic, I would have thought it was sabotage
0: oh Phil, we were so embarrassed. the only time it 's ever happened <laughs> and what you so you had happened to you with Kelly Jones in Fox? yeah and, and he was very gracious because I went to him and i and I just went
1: out i was I was red on the face and everything, I said, Kelly, look, thank you so much for doing the interview, but um i 'm afraid i didn't record it, and he was with all the people from his record company as well, and they were kind of they were just waiting for him. To say, yeah, well, forget about it. But you know, he said, "Oh, mate, you know, his best Welsh accent, which I can't do." He said, "Come on, let's go do it again." Ah, wonderful! You that's know, and, and, and that's why I've liked the stereophonics ever since. I
0: think Cliff Richard did that with Ian as well, and I think Cliff Richard came back. Came back <gasps> well,
1: did that well, Ian. is that a good thing or a bad thing? To do it again? No, if Cliff's recording <laughs> didn't come out.
0: So why were you in an emotional state before you came in the last well, time?
1: Well, it's just, you know, I mean, I was in was the building here. Was it because it was here. your first
0: time back in the building in a yeah, while? Yeah, yeah.
1: I was in the building for so long and it was such a major part of my life. And it was brilliant. It was great. I was privileged. It was wonderful. And then, you know, when it finished two years ago, I, that was it. And then literally two years to the day, I'm, I'm coming back in. And I was grand. And when I got to the car park just next to the building here, I started to shake a little bit. And I rang my wife and I said, Rochelle, what the hell is wrong with me? And I said, I feel I feel emotional and I feel, you know, a little overwhelmed. She says, go on. And then I got into the building and then a few people recognised me and and, and brought me up the stairs to this this floor. And then I was sitting outside and I was trying to kind of practice my breathing. Is that <laughs> Vim Hof And Technique. then everybody coming in the door, Phil, 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 how's it going? And then that kind of made me feel a little bit better. But uh, yeah, it was, it, it was different. Now, I'm grand today.
0: I don't know if you can reproduce the emotion that you delivered that day, Phil, but no, I'm only joking. But what I really mean to say is that you were coming back after, you know, about 20 years into Day FM. You were one of the absolute originals.
1: Yeah, I was here for Radio Ireland. And I yeah, was, tell us I was, about your memories. Go on. Give us a little biog. um, Well, in 1996, I went for the interview for Radio Ireland, Mm. which was um, the the new national, and I was blessed I got it. Mm. And I went uh, from from local radio all of a sudden to to national radio. And we started with a beautiful building, and every show had a budget, every show had a theme song uh, written by Bill Whelan. Mm. Oh, yeah. And mine was kind of Illin Pipes and... Mm. (laughs) And then I had this music show in the afternoons which was pretty much the same for 20 years. And it was an unusual... Time because the radio station was hemorrhaging money like Mm -hmm. nobody's business. Mm -hmm. And only John Mm McColgan was prepared. I mean, he, he, like, the guy deserves credit because he held out, held out, held out, and eventually took all the research that was coming forward. Look, this is just not going to work. Now, having said that, it eventually worked for News Talk, who did a a great job of talk radio. But for us, we needed to do something. And that's where Chris Evans came in. And uh, he came in at the time with his uh, Ginger Media. And they put a plan in place for what is essentially Today FM and they came up with the name Today FM mm. and we were all there at the time at the meeting going, Today FM, that's not a great name, is it? Mm. It's not. No, mm. Of course, were we wrong? Mm. <laughs> um, and then literally, it, it was like a rocket taking off from the time we started. We knew it was fresh. We knew we had something but we were lacking a, a, an element. And Of course, that element was Ian Dempsey. Mm. And Ian came and then literally the entire project went, you know, into the stratosphere. It yeah, was incredible. I mean, every single J and Alora book was going up, 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 mm. up, up. We'd over a million a week at, at, at one stage. Mm. It was incredible.
0: And that's because Dunphy was at the other end of the day. And yeah. I remember my, my my memories of Dunphy are, he used to go around uh, the building, obviously smoking, right? Oh God. But I remember being at a desk and he actually put a cigarette, as he, as he kind of sashayed by me like a whirling dervish mm. on his way to do another interview with Martin McGuinness or whatever. He put a cigarette out on my desk Not on an ashtray in my desk, just on my desk, on the wooden desk. He put it out with his, with he stubbed it out and put and pushed it into the desk. And you're there. This is rock and roll.
1: Rock and roll. Well, I don't know if Eamon would uh, appreciate me telling this one story, but we had, Today FM uh, in the early days was known for having the greatest Christmas parties. Mm. And whenever there was uh, like a good survey, which was quite regular, we'd we'd all go out on the lash Mm. big time uh, with the boss's credit card, Mm. right? Mm. Which like, I don't know how to limit or whatever, but they were the best parties. But Eamon Dunphy would um, enjoy those parties. Uh, we'd be a little bit nervous about, you know, what we'll, order. we'll just, I'll just get a pint. I won't bother with the, you know, the Bombay Blue or whatever. Yeah. But Eamon would be there with the old shut up. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. The champagne. <laughs> he was rock and roll. He was totally rock and roll. I pay your wages, baby. But do you remember, actually, Eamon had, mm-hmm. Amory marie was a co-presenter That's right. on The Last Word and people forget that. And then I remember, um, like, it was great radio because Eamon, would use the odd fuck word every now and then, mm. right? And I remember he was talking to someone day, and he said, hey, we don't want chances like you coming on fucking here and whatever. Mm. And it, it just the publicity that, I mean, mm. I'm sure the solicitors mm. at the time, all yeah. those years ago. But I mean, it was things like that. It was Ian in the morning and then it was uh, Eamon in the evening. And then, I think Eamon kind of left shortly after and Matt then took over. Yeah. But I mean, it was, the morning and the afternoon and then I was stuck right in the middle mm. and it was, it, was,
0: it was great. And then Ray as well, of course. Although
1: I, I would like to tell a Radio Ireland story very quickly. And um, we were called Radio 1%. That's right. Not percent? No, Radio 1%. Uh-huh. And the Jane of Lars came out and I think I had 10,000 listeners which was the most listened to on the entire radio station, <laughs> right? And, and I'll, I'll tell you two things that happened. First of all, I remember Carl Sigdinis was presenting a morning music show and one of his car sponsorships gave him this huge stereo to give away. Now, this is a bloody good mm. thing, right? He didn't get any entries, right? It was pretty bad. Yeah, radio 1%, but... Um, I remember just trying trying desperately to, to keep my job obviously um, but I knew things were going to happen and they did happen and it was just uh, it was a great time because
0: and, and your voice of course is still you know evergreen and for me as as working into dfm FM for the last 25 years and, and producing the stuff and listening to the radio as well while I'm producing stuff um, every weekend, I would listen to you um, because yeah, because
1: I know yourself and blonde would, right. would text in the Friday night. Friday the night, glass, we would. glass wine, texting in, I would glass glass
0: glass wine wine out, yep. and I'd text in requests for the eighties. But then I would listen to you at the weekend as well, because for me, you were the sound. I've said this before. You were the sound of a lawnmower. Uh, yeah. clipping the the, 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 the the grass on a Saturday afternoon. It was just people out doing their lawns and you'd be on in the car yeah. as they leave their car door Well, open. I, I and, think
1: and for about 15 years we did an outside broadcast nearly every Saturday. Mm. So we could have been in a circus tent in Cove mm. uh, or the posh hotel in Galway mm. or whatever. We were always out and about and I loved to meet people. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that I loved about uh, my job in Today FM Mm. for was meeting the punters Mm. because people kind of like you, you know, and and then, you know, it's a wonderful relationship Mm. and that was actually the great thing about Today FM was the first radio station in Ireland that had text, for example, Mm. and people could immediately respond. That's right. I think that was partly responsible for this, you know, finally they can talk directly Mm. to the presenter or they can communicate directly Mm. to the presenter. Mm. That was such a positive thing Mm. and when you talk to people now about, you know, 20 years ago, we, we like I mean we didn't have Google we didn't have uh, oh. where you could look up stuff immediately there was no YouTube and this is only like twenty twenty five years ago but I think WhatsApp was was a huge huge uh, benefit yeah and and texting texting was the key
0: and while you were here you did a lot of filling in as well for Eno yeah and uh, what are your memories of those as well
1: uh, I filled in for Eno probably over ten years but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I used to get very intimidated by you right
0: not this and, again and then
1: uh, I don't know was it Martin Maguire or Charlie uh, the producer at the time would, would, would say to me uh, yeah Mario's off this week uh, so you'll be playing repeats of yeah. Gift Grub and it's would go phew Jesus <laughs> See, Mario, you're so full of energy and you're so positive. Yeah. That <laughs> to an old Egypt like me, you know, yeah. I'm scouring in the corner and you're probably just coming in to say hello. Yeah. But the I I, I just there was a couple of occasions where I would desperately try to communicate and, and do you remember you used to do the TV review as Daniel As Daniel, yeah. And yourself and marrayed. Yeah. And uh you were all about fair. fair City, City, yeah. You, yeah. And I have never seen a Fair Fair City episode in my life, right? And I was there uh, desperately trying to to relate and say, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. And then you both found out that I hadn't seen... Exposed. Yeah, an episode. So you set me the task of watching Fair City that night. sorry about that. Yeah. So anyway, I went home and I watched Fair City, but I couldn't get it.
0: Emotionally scarred.
1: Now, and as I, as I said, I, I mentioned this before, that I think I'm on the spectrum somewhere because yeah. I sometimes can see things in a, in a different way. The following morning when the review came and I was asked by yourself, and Maraid, to give me the review of Fair City, all I remember saying was, OK, a, a blue Renault traffic van drove into a car park. <laughs> and then when they got out of the van, it was a transit
0: and you were looking at Moraida and looking is looking, and she goes, "What?" But Phil, f- that's not being on the spectrum. That's literally all that happens in Fair City. So Probably it's not as saying. if you know, you know, you're, there's something wrong with you. That but is was, actually all that happened. You I was saying is the you continuity saying, shots. You know, you, that's
1: just where I was coming you know. from because I couldn't you, get the characters. You
0: say you're on the spectrum. Are you joking about that, or do you th- do you actually think you are? Well,
1: I, my, my my son Richie is uh, is on the spectrum. That's he has right. Asperger's, and he's doing very well at the moment. He's he's, yeah. he's a trainee chef, yeah. and he's a wonderful. Guy. And I, and I know he won't mind me talking about yeah. it because we talk about it all the time. But I sometimes wonder when you know when we were learning about Richie um, over the years since he was a kid, and my own. Um, you know, social cues? Yeah. Like, even here in Today FM, mm. you know, there'll be a lot of conversations going on and I wouldn't quite know how to get into them or get out of them. And yeah, I know what you mean. And I, Whereas now, I'm very aware, more so than before, of other people's behaviour. And I can nearly... I kind of have this... Um, spectrum dar yeah. I kind of always know when someone's a bit odd or you think they're angry when well, they're, they're just nervous they're yeah. just afraid and I will always always insist on, on, on making an approach and I will never yeah. leave anyone out in would a room Would your
0: social cues um, would your so- social cues on awareness um, be amplified or heightened when you're nervous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Same as want, everybody though. Because
1: you want to say the right thing and you want to do the right thing and particularly mm. in the rock and roll business mm. you know uh, if, you're, if you're going out to meet uh, uh, a pop star or whatever mm. and
0: You're wondering what the first thing you'll say to them is.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and I, I was okay at that and I'm, I'm okay at actually performing. Like mm. somebody
0: said to me once you're, you know you're a good live
1: DJ yeah. But don't ask me to be the best manager wedding mm-hmm. because that that's too personal mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be very good at you're,
0: it. You're liable to say something. Correct. Yeah, or yeah, <laughs> dig dig a hole or you Can know. you remember anything you've said that on air for example that might have did, you, did it happen on air that you might have kind of... But you know that kind of... When, when somebody says they're on the spectrum or whatever, one of the aspects maybe, is, not that I'm an expert, is that you end up saying something you think is fine to say, but probably...
1: Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, and this is highly inappropriate, but mm. I mm. thought it was very funny. You know, mm. it, it, you know, <laughs> uh, al- alz- Alzheimer's, which is a t- t- terrible debilitating condition for a lot of people. as young onset yeah. and whatever. But, you know, tell- telling a joke without thinking about it, mm. uh, inappropriate, film. Feel- not right heart absolutely in the right place mm. brain not totally engaged mm. that happened a couple of times mm. over the years um, but no I was I, I, I was lucky enough to uh, go to the next song as quick as possible <laughs> leave it there there was always the music yeah. actually do you know what's really nice I did a wedding before Christmas. I got a phone call from this woman last year and she said it's my daughter's wedding and I want to surprise her with you as DJ and yeah. I said why she said because she was a nurse training in Limerick and her drive every Friday night was ah, you. Yeah. You were part of that four-year mm. drive that she had for Friday. That's why, remember we used to say it was a heritage mm. time on, on Today FM? Mm. So it was wonderful because uh, I had a bad accident before Christmas, which I'll, I'll get to you, but oh. I, I turned up for the wedding on crutches and hid behind the DJ box and her mother, it was in the Angler's Rest actually in Chapel Lizard, and her mother came out and introduced me as the DJ for her wedding. Ah. It, it, was, it was absolutely wonderful. Brilliant. And, yeah, it was and, really and nice. sorry, you had an accident. Okay long story boring I left my I was I was to be in New Zealand today I was coming back from New Zealand on Sunday uh, we were going for a month all of our family and I came out of my office on the 2nd of December in low winter sun and went to run across the road and smacked my foot off a kerb I went straight out on the road now I can laugh about it now but I went flat on my face out in the road and the poor guy on the Wexford bus you know, could see me in the distance. I, put, I felt sorry for him more than I did for myself. But I got up and you know, you know the way guys are? Ah, I'll be grand. I'll be grand. So I got up anyway and tried to steady myself and had a coffee and I said, yeah, that'll be all right in a half an hour. But anyway, it wasn't. Basically, I got into my van and went to the emergency department. I ruptured my Achilles. Yeah. So it actually detached completely oh. from my heel. And they showed me the x-rays of all the bits of bone, you know, floating around yeah. the back of my foot. So straight into a boot. And I have to say, as, as um, a recipient of the Irish health system I was treated extremely well on public okay, health okay. it was fantastic and how are you now? Uh, Obviously it, I'm in recovery the boot came off actually last yeah. Monday but I had an operation then uh, to repair it and mm. that of course was the big thing do you repair it I mean you know you're a rugby man and you know the, the big thing about uh, do you repair it do you let it heal naturally or whatever so they made the decision to repair it so I just have to you know exercise and yeah.
0: I, I thought it might have been an accident you had on your motorbike because uh, no. one of the other things I associate with you of course is the motorbike yeah. Phil on the motorbike well, It's either Phil on the radio or Phil bombing down the road on his motorbike well, the Are you th- riding
1: at the moment? No, no I'm not riding at the moment I'm a fair weather biker because it's uh, too cold too cold Yeah. I did have a beautiful big motorcycle once and it had a stereo radio on it and it was a BMW um, KLT something or other and I <laughs> I was playing, um, I don't know, I was I was tuning around the radio while I was riding the motorcycle, which you should never do. And I stopped at traffic lights, right? And Escape the Pina Colada song by Rupert Holmes was actually playing on the radio. Now, what the hell I was listening to, I don't know. But of all the songs, I went to uh, do something on my bike and did my bike fall over. Yeah. So my leg was caught underneath the bike oh, yeah. in traffic with if you like pina colada <laughs> great image caught, so I'm trying to lift my fucking bike up I'm trying to push the bike and then people are coming over thinking that I'm I'm hurt whilst listening to Rupert yeah. Holmes singing this song in the background I mean can you imagine or what? getting caught in the rain yeah, yeah, so,
0: so, all,
1: all I was worried about not my leg yeah. not my bike just switch the bloody radio yeah. off
0: Phil, you have spent your whole life doing what you love doing, which is being on the radio. Now you left today FM and where are you where where did you go and where are you now?
1: Um when when Today FM finished, I was working with a local radio station, Southeast in Wexford, yeah. w- which is where I do breakfast now.
0: And then I, I uh, Say hello to Alan Corcoran.
1: I lovely guy. He actually I told him I was coming up to yeah. meet you and, and uh, he was on the telly box last night. He was on Operation Transformation actually. Oh was he? Um no, not for himself, but yeah, he was one of the people's um Ireland's classic hits uh, and they're kind of more or less doing the 80s again, but yeah. on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, but you know, the way this business goes, you have to survive. And, and COVID was a great leveler for a lot of people when a lot of people lost their jobs and they realised, particularly in the entertainment business, that you have to diversify. Mm. So I, I come from a family of workers. Mm. So I qualified as a coach driver and a tour guide. So I drive coaches. In fact, I'm doing a a forty a, a seater coach at half three this afternoon oh in Glendalock. Um and I also mm-hmm. I did that tour guide uh, a bit of DJ, uh, but I'd always do anything. And in fact, actually, he, here's the thing now, and I'm not I'm, I'm proud to say that when I lost my gig, my big gig, I painted. I was actually painting the toilets in um, Ashford, like Jerry Fish. Yeah, totally, yeah. Jerry Fish yeah. is a painter. Yeah. Yeah, but now, you mean, you're talking about painting like No, pictures. Jerry Fish is a painter, de- painter, decorator. Oh, fair play to him. Yeah, yeah. And, but you see, COVID made a lot of people realise that they needed to diversify and there were some people that said, oh no, I could never do that or I could never do this. Jesus, I'll do anything it means putting food on the table. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I did a bit of painting um, uh, and then when COVID finished, oh, do you know what else I did now? You'd love this one. I drove an unmarked van for a pharmaceutical company delivering drugs to Clover Hill, <laughs> right, <laughs> Mountjoy, um, Midlands, and leash prisons. Wow! Every drug you could think of, the back of my little van. Wow! Yeah, I did that for about did that for about a year during COVID. That's excellent, Phil. Well, that had to be done. Uh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. there's always that one person at a gig who's not happy. Mm. And cocaine's a huge problem for DJs Mm. at the moment, right? Mm. Because you're dealing with people that are, I think, well, they're single-minded and they don't see the rest of the people in Mm. the room and they want what they want and that's it. Mm. And you know the song's not going to work, but how do you... Uh, communicate. You don't want to argue. First oh. of all, you want to. Your customer service is really important, and you're always. No, I'll do my best for you. You leave it to me. Mm. You know, and then the the row will always progress. And you, you're saying, look, this is not my first rodeo. My job is to keep everybody happy, and I'm mm. going to do my best for you. You got to trust me on this. But there are gigs now where it's just impossible. And you know what, Mario, it's actually getting worse. And even at weddings,
0: are you noticing this, uh, Phil? This is an. This is something I'd be interested in in hearing now because. Uh You hear uh, quite a lot of discussion on uh, in the media about the increase, a dramatic increase Uh. in in the use of cocaine in Ireland and how basically in any small town in Ireland, cocaine is five minutes away if you it, from you to, oh, yeah, I, I have but I have, are you seeing it do you see it in your own experience yeah yeah and and i'm seeing
1: it more than ever in places that i would never expected to have seen it now you know how does somebody on cocaine manifest how does it manifest i don't know the the jittery hands the 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 jittery expressions that's kind of where I am. I'm not, you know, a, a total expert. It may not be cocaine, it may be another drug, but yeah. it ain't alcohol. That's for sure. But you're seeing this more, are you? Yeah, I have a friend of mine who yeah. works for Chris actually, uh the the drugs counseling people. Mm. And he told me that um he's getting more and more farmers in
0: now. Yeah. Young
1: young farmers. Yeah. Uh looking for that escape. And of course, you know, cocaine is a fool's drug really because, you know, it just uh all it does is take money out of your pocket as fast as possible yeah. you know it, it's it's a crazy crazy drug I, I, and, and I think Jesus, what,
0: what, farm, what? I just can't even yeah yeah and these farmers, are, these are okay. good
1: these are good hardworking people mm. that have just got a taste for something mm. to escape and then they get trapped yeah and, and it's uh, some of the stories he was telling me they're quite upsetting because mm. people are losing houses um families mm. and um I'll give James a big shout out today. hes a he's a good guy I know he does good work mm. um mm. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I am seeing it an yeah. awful lot more. And you have to be prepared for that. And, you know, it's not just in Dublin or Cork. Oh, no way, you know? yeah, yeah. It's, oh yeah. It's, it's, everywhere. it's everywhere. It's
0: quite sad. That's, and that's a marked difference to what you would have seen in the yeah. 80s, 90s and even early 2000s. Yeah,
1: yeah. I remember actually doing a wedding um, for a very well-known wedding planner. And it was a beautiful, beautiful venue. It was extremely well-organised. And it was there was no atmosphere in the wedding because I'd say and it was like this this is a little bit extreme this is the worst I've seen I'd say sixty to seventy percent of the guests at that wedding were out of their tree right and they had no idea what music was playing mm. and and I'm including the bride and groom on this one mm. who will probably never remember their wedding mm. and I, I don't want to paint a gloomy picture no, I get it I, you know I really don't but I mean I've seen it. Now I'm not saying, I mean yeah. you know what the percentages are but I've seen it with my own two eyes as a working DJ. Yes. And it's sad.
0: Weddings are fraught with um nervous nerves and and anxiety and nervous tension and expectation and anticipation and letdowns and disappointment and happiness and very high emotional pitches. Uh, have you ever received any kind of um Abuse or uh, well, I mean, People expecting you to, The music wasn't good enough or, or why didn't you play this record or... I, In my own
1: I have to say It has happened But very rarely mm. um, I've had Bridezilla
0: um, what's, where, what's, So what's, a, a, how does Bridezilla a, Manifest itself there too?
1: Bridezilla is somebody Who has this picture in their mind But it doesn't always meet reality Sometimes you'd get um, A bride who would want to Walk into a piece of music A certain way not realizing that you've got to coordinate something like that, so you've you've got to have a manager by the door. You've got to let people know, and and, and it wouldn't quite go to plan, and she'd be distraught with tears mm. over something that everybody else says is really small. Mm. I did have one guy, and I would think I don't know whether it was in Adair or whatever, and uh, he was a lovely guy when he was sober. And in fact, this this was only about this was literally just before COVID. Um, everybody was having a good time, everybody was dancing except him, whatever, got into his head. And it was alcohol, you know. <laughs> some people shouldn't drink. Mm. Yeah, so I had a, a difficult time. And when you're trying to deal with people like that and play music, you've got to multitask, mm. you know. But the the cool head, the maturity and the experience does help. Mm. I mean, I feel sorry for some young DJs now trying to coordinate somebody Who's angry? Mm. Uh, somebody who's not getting what they had in their head, mm. you know.
0: Have you noticed any change in how people do weddings or do big of big functions uh, be- be- before the pandemic and after the pandemic, or, or yeah. did it return completely to normal? Or is it a bit well, like it's I think
1: it's returned to normal. There was, the, I mean, uh, let's just be clear about this: weddings didn't stop during the pandemic. Mm. I have a friend who does marquee hire, and he says it was the busiest time of his life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we leave it there. So yeah, right, yeah. this is a podcast. We can get away with it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it, for me, it's it, it's it's gone back to normal. Mm. You know, it's and there's great professionals out there. And the one thing you have to say to a bride and a bride or a groom and a groom when you're getting married is, you know, there are professionals out there that can help you. Yeah. You know. You're not an event organizer. Mm. If you are, well and good. But mm. if you're not, you're not, and just mm. admit it, and get help and seek professional advice. Mm. And uh, one of the, you know one of the big problems for me as a working DJ too is bands suddenly uh, get the drummer uh, to bring along his, his CDs and and do DJ afterwards. And some people you know don't care about how the music is played or mm. how the music is presented, mm. and they're happy enough with it. But that's a big problem for DJs all over mm. the country. Uh, so what I do, uh, Mister Positive. I'll always tell people, well, "Do you really need a band?"
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and come here, guaranteed floor filler if you're under pressure. Oh, nowadays. Uh, okay. So let's say next next Tuesday you're doing straight a ride. away,
1: straight away, right? Abba, Dancing Queen.
0: Ah, oh, Phil.
1: Who doesn't love Abba? Uh,
0: I Phil, I love Abba.
1: I would play at least three songs from Abba at every
0: gig. One of the great songs, because one of those songs where the chorus comes at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a special breed of song where they where where the obviously the producers have the balls yeah. just to go I'm putting the chorus out yeah. front because yeah. this is such a great song
1: but girls are great G- girls are great at a dance at a disco uh, at a wedding whatever girls will always just be first up on the dance floor. Yeah. The lads will wait until um Highway to Hell to roll up their trousers yeah. and put the tie around their forehead. But the girls <laughs> are brilliant, right? <laughs> the girls will and Dancing Queen, once they're up, they're up. Yeah. And they're happening. All they right, happen, Dancing Queen, give them. us another couple. Uh well, Dancing Queen, you know, okay, wanna get a bit cheesy now, right? Yeah. that's Tina Turner. The best, simply the best. Yeah, and it yeah. mixes great with Dancing Queen. By the way, it's very, Does it? very similar BPM. So you yeah. can, uh, And uh, you know, the old. Uh, I keep thinking of Tony Fenton. Yeah. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Which one? September. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And then the eighties. You know, Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. Yes. Aha. Take on Me. Yeah. Footloose. Yeah. Can't get them off the floor. Yeah. Ooh. Now, what I know, what I you know I will look to all music. Brand new music, yeah, and I'll play everything. I mean, if if you don't play, who's brand new at the moment? That oh, Dua Lipa now is fantastic. That's good for the floor. Oh yeah, absolutely, uh, and people love Dua Lipa. But do you I mean, mean like
0: Dua Lipa with Elton John, for example? Yeah, that that's one? a that's
1: yeah. a that's a good one to you know to start out of. We'll say if you do a little slow break or something like that, is a yeah. good one to start people yeah. off halfway yeah. through the night. It's not a floor starter, yeah, but it's a great song. Um, the nin- the nineties and nineties dance music, snap the power, oh, yeah. um you know um, all those songs Lock and Load yeah. those kind of uh, rave songs from the 90s you play them all the time people yeah. love them do
0: you, do, you, do you play dance songs? Like they everything Euphoria or, or not absolutely. Euphoria but uh, what's that great dance song from the um, Rhythm as a Dancer No <gasket noises> <cheerful> oh, Insomnia Oh absolutely Stateless.
1: Insomnia yeah, yeah, Venga Boys <laughs> Jeez We Like to Party <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you imagine right? You're having yourself and blonde out now. Right. You're having a few glasses of wine. You're having yeah. the crack, and Cauley puts on uh, the Venga boys, You'll be up there, ah, like, yeah, light, having the crack, and that's that's what it's about.
0: I mentioned Elton John. You 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 had a very p- prolonged encounter, personal encounter with Elton John. Yeah, this is a, this is one of the most. Um, this is.
1: Do you know the way I say sometimes that I had bad social cues and I and I felt that I didn't quite fit in? Uh, and we had a boss, Willie O'Reilly. And, and I've, I've got great respect for Willie, actually, because Willie would tell you the truth, you know, no matter what. He'd look you in the eye and he'd see the white of your eye and always tell you the truth. And uh, talk about building my confidence. He called me into his office one day. And uh, for those who don't know, Willie was actually the CEO of Today FM for literally from the beginning for 14, 15
0: years. More than that, Phil, for those of us, the millions of us who tuned into the Dahl Public Accounts Committee... Uh, this year, because we all watched it, it was the one of the highest rated programs of the year. Willie was the guy on the big screen with the with the red beard and the glasses, and uh, <laughs> the the Doll Public Accounts Committee were there. We also have delighted to have Mister Willie O'Reilly there uh, from his house there. Uh, Mister O'Reilly, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Are Thank you, you messing now? Are you serious? No, Willie was on the screen. He had to report into the Doll Pub because Willie was Group Financial Director of RTE.
1: All oh, right, right, Good commercial very good. director. Very good. Actually, he loves a bit of uh, screen time though, doesn't he? He does. Really? Yeah. Um, but anyway, no, he called me into his office one day and uh, he said, no, Philip, um, we've asked Ian to do it and he can't. And I didn't, I didn't know what was coming. And then he says, and we can't ask Tom Dunn. his wife's having a baby, so we have to ask you. Right? So I said, what? What are you talking about? Elton John is coming to Ireland and he doesn't want to do press. He'll only do radio. So you're going to interview Elton John. He hands me a phone number and a name. Yeah. So I was thinking, now, anyone who works in radio will tell you that we, we, we would go to London in the morning to interview a pop star in a hotel or a film for a film crew and then you'd be back that evening. Absolutely nothing glamorous about it whatsoever. So I rang the number and I got this lovely lady on the other end of the line who asked, asked me all sorts of questions. And she, says, no, she says, is your passport, uh, have you got six months to run on your passport? And I went, yeah. And she said, and, and you don't by any chance have a working visa for America, do you? And I said, uh, no. I said, well, you know, uh, you're going to have to get a media pass Uh, from the I said for what she says well you're going to Las Vegas so (laughs) so at about I think at about a month to prepare Mm. and it was really interesting because I straight away got into the official Elton John biography which was really good Mm. and I remember hearing stories about Elton when he was small and, and it was the official one that he approved so you know, it, it was fine to take pieces from it. And um, one of the original piano players that he heard for the first time in his life was a, a lady called Winifred Atwell. Mm. So uh, at the time, and people have to understand, this is probably 15, 20 years ago. Mm. You'd have to order a CD. Um, I don't think iTunes was around then. So I ordered a CD from HMV of Winifred Atwell. And when I got to Heathrow Airport, I went to Harrods and I wrapped it in some Harrods paper. And kept it in my little bag so over to Las Vegas we went and there was few but, but as I said Elton didn't want to talk to any of the newspapers just radio and I was the only radio guy I thought oh my god I'm going to make a total mess of this I was nervous and at the time we had mini disc recorders and when we were staying in Caesars Palace when the gig came we were all going to the gig but I was the only one that was going to the furthest green room away where Elton was to be waiting so in I went uh, with my recorder and I when I can hear the metallic sound of my hand shaking with the wire and the microphone going into the machine because my hand is shaking. So Elton greeted me in a shiny Adidas Mm tracksuit and he had a little Cocker Spaniel dog called Arthur. Now, I love Cocker Spaniels. I was brought up with uh, Spaniels. And so my immediate thing after shaking hands with Elton was to ask him about the dog and specific questions about... And so that tweaked his interest because it didn't, you know, do the rock star thing. And then, oh, before we start, I said, I just I got you a little present and I gave it to him. So he totally relaxed with me, you know, and I think I probably just pressed all the right buttons and whatever. So I did the interview and, um, which probably wasn't my best interview, but it was an interview and I got the little, hi, I'm Elton John, come and see me in, you know, wherever, whenever. At the end of the interview, Elton said, will you bring me out and introduce me to the journalists? I said absolutely so of course I brought Elton out uh, to the two green rooms down where the journalists were there having their bottles of bud and their fresh fruit salads and whatever and said guys um, Elton wants to say hello and I interviewed them and then he did some great questions Uh, Eddie Rowley asked him a terrific question about I think Brian McFadden um, Elton was doing stuff with Westlife at the time so it was a wonderful experience and everybody got copy everybody that they weren't originally going to get from Elton personally, their copy was to be the concert. It was the Red Piano Tour. Mm. So uh, we went to the concert itself and he gave us a huge shout out from the piano, which was amazing. Nice one. Absolutely. And I'll never forget that. And I was privileged to have uh, had that experience.
0: Yeah. And he's still as big as ever, of course. Oh, yeah. And Coldplay Disaster. I can't remember this one now.
1: Well, um, Coldplay's uh, first song, was it Yellow... Or uh, I think it was Yellow Was That was, our, that was their first one And they were there, They were experiencing A meteoric rise To stardom I mean it was just happening And EMI I think at the time Came in here I think it was probably Jill Waters actually And she says Typical right They were coming in To do an interview With Tom Dunn Or something like that And something happened And they couldn't Actually give them to Phil Right No, No prep Nothing it was probably the worst interview i did i didn't know who coldplay were i mean a week later everyone knew who coldplay <laughs> yeah. were right it's a bit like a few of the lads uh, went to see Adele in concert in um, the olympic or the Olympian, yeah, right like a year before yes she you know yes. and there was there was only half full i know so it was that sort of a thing where and chris martin by the way is a lovely oh gosh he's a lovely guy yeah. i mean i mean what i'd give to see coldplay in concert now yeah But yeah, it was one of those horrible
0: interviews. And it is funny, isn't it, the way you can meet these, you you sort of inadvertently bump into these stars. Um, I remember... Uh, about 2007, I think it was, maybe six or seven. And this could probably be checked on Wikipedia because you could look up Amy Winehouse. But this girl came in to be interviewed by Ian. And uh, we were just hanging outside the studio and we were chatting away to her there, me and Paul McLoon. And uh, it was Amy Winehouse. And she was, oh promo- my God. It was promoting her. She was just with nobody. and That she was- new uh, show is out, actually. That film is yeah. actually being made. And yeah. the
1: Bob Marley one is out. Actually, yes, just that's talking. right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah. And she was promoting, I think it was Frank. That was their. Big album, yeah. and uh, she was promoting that, but nobody really knew who she was. She was kind of big in yeah. sort of, in, if you, for want of a better expression, indie circles, and she was kind of going to be a, bri- a, a bit of a breaking kind of this. Watch out for this girl. Later in the day, anyway, I think she did Alison Curtis, and then she went out drinking tequila and playing pool with Alison Curtis. No way, yeah. Alison <laughs> a, never told me that. Yeah, it's a great story. And uh, so you have these kind of and that's the same with Adele and all that. Yeah. You see some of these, you meet some of these stars oh, yeah. just before they kind of um, look at I mean, it,
1: even on the floor of um, you know, the the radio station itself over the years, A-listers in and out, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but the best one of all was Anton Deck. Anton Deck, because I'm six foot two, right? Yeah. <laughs> they never stood near me. They didn't want to be because I was too tall. Really, they just yeah. didn't want to be compared. Absolutely, I mean, they're smaller than Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah, and he's small. <laughs> uh, who else? Who else would have come? Michael Parkinson was in with Eno there one yeah. day. Lovely man. It was a pleasure to meet him. Yeah, like he is. Like he's you know broadcast heritage. Mm. When you see people like that, um, I I interviewed Lloyd Cole mm. from the commotions. Mm. Very difficult. Yeah? yeah. Very difficult. Why? Because he didn't want to talk about any of the old stuff. He only wanted to talk about the new stuff. Yeah. And it's always, it's always like, and I can kind of understand where he's coming yeah. from. But I think you have to give a little bit.
0: So you are there. Tell us about Rattlesnakes.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. It was the last weekend.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, it was a last yeah. uh, interview. Yeah. Um, so he was, uh, he wasn't great. Yeah. But then Ardlow Hanlon, right? Yeah. Actually, actually, I was filling in for Eno. Yeah. Right. And, Ardle O'Hanlon came in for an interview mm. and about five minutes before Ardle comes in Charlie says oh and by the way you can't ask him anything about Father Ted. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: Was he true. He's not in the mood to talk about Father oh, Ted? He's probably fed up mm. you know. You're a radio man. Your thoughts on Tuberty? Yeah and you know first of all congratulations
1: uh, you, you hit you, your sketch uh this week on The Breakfast <laughs> Show it was great what uh, was it, when, was it li- Tubs in London li- Library Books and History or something like that
0: oh Tubs in London
1: yeah no yeah. do you know what listen first of all we all know Ryan he's a lovely lovely wonderful guy and I, I respect is, yeah. and admire his bravery yeah uh, he's brave I, if it was me mm. and I didn't I wasn't overly worried about money I probably would have held on a little bit longer in Ireland probably would have held on a bit longer for maybe another offer like what probably BBC Really, yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm. Because I like Ryan, mm. and but so I'm listening I... to him, and and I I personally like him. Okay, and I listened to him actually on the way up in the car mm. today. Mm. I was going between uh, Ken Bruce and Ryan Tuberty, mm. and um, yeah, you'd wonder because we know him, we love him, and he's grown up in Ireland, and we, and he's done so much for for books and kids reading and all that sort of stuff. Um, will he have the same appeal? in a UK market because there's a lot from what I've heard and I've this is my own ears he's doing a lot of Irish stuff like he had a girl I'm from Waterford this morning and she was good crack she was good fun but you know would he have 10,000 people listening in Ireland and maybe a million and a half listening in London and you'd have to kind of say to yourself well your million and a half in London is where your bread and butter is coming from so you're really going to have to is the w- right word English? anglify eng- it
0: a little mm, bit? anglify anglifise yeah, it yeah yeah
1: so that would be my only concern. I mean, I, I, I as I say, I'm a huge fan. I, I know. Yeah, one I, of the things, I worry. I just worry well, about one it. of the things on
0: my sketch is that he kept trying to ask for with somebody please from the United Kingdom, please ring me. I know. And they say, Ryan, we have somebody on the line from Blackpool. It's Blackpool and County Cork, Ryan. How are you doing for him show? And you know what's lovely? And you know, <laughs> sorry, was somebody from the UK, a UK citizen, just ring me, please?
1: <laughs> but it's lovely because they all say, "Oh, Ryan, we love you. We miss you." And I go, oh, my God, you know, I'd be heartbroken. I'd be Somebody,
0: heart- at some stage, somebody's going to go, Ryan, can we have a word for a second? Yeah. What the fuck happened back in Ireland? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Actually, with the, but that's a talking point that I think everybody has an opinion on as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, do do I have an opinion on it? Of course I do. I think he was shafted. Mm. Uh, but a lot of people that had opinions about it don't seem to understand the way the business of broadcasting works, the way the business of self-employed contractor works, the way the business of a limited company works. You know, uh, Ryan wasn't an employee of RTE and, and I think that, you know, that's that's where you need to start from. And, uh, you know, you go to the highest bidder. That's, that, that's the way uh, it works. And he has an agent that does his bidding for him. I mean, if we all had an agent when we were negotiating our original contracts, we'd be doing much better than we are now, that's for sure. I don't think so. Well, I, I wonder because... No, but, I don't think
0: so. But, and I think that I've, I've... I mean, believe me, I have experience and I know lots of other people that have had experience. Well, well on the, on the he, successful I, Ian, ladder... Ian, Ian, for example, would have had experience. He had an agent and he said, listen to this. We won't mention any names. Yeah. Ian said, I stopped having an agent a long time ago. And I went, why? Because I had an agent and they went in and they negotiated 10% less than I was getting.
1: Right. <laughs> but, but the other side to that is, you know... Uh, and they were going to take 15% of that. But you're at that level for 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 different guys for people who are coming into radio and whatever they they take what they're given yeah. they have no power of negotiation yes. because they don't have the experience and and in those cases even to bring in maybe your solicitor to what you sign the contract to give you a bit of practical yeah. advice yeah. because you only get one time to negotiate if if you're not in the top ten and yeah. that's the very first one.
0: Speaking of Ian, um, just for a second there, I mean, over the years it's kind of emerged that uh, having talked to him and everything that how much how much regard he has for for Larry Gogan. Oh yeah. Um, well, Larry Gogan,
1: for- Larry Gogan is responsible for my radio career. How's that? Yeah. Um, I always wanted to be on the radio I'd done a little bit of pirate here there and everywhere and this is a true story it was, it was 1984 I was walking up Grafton Street and Larry Gogan was in the window of Switzer's ah. true story doing his uh, just a minute quiz I went in I said can I be on the just a minute quiz what age was I I was 16 I think was I yeah. I said, Can I be on the just a minute quiz? And of course his assistant, you know, was looking for the demographic housewife to do the quiz. So I was kind of um, stalking Larry ever so slightly and the demographic house the didn't housewife didn't turn up. And they were just about to go to air. Larry was there with his microphone ready to go, just a minute quiz. And she grabbed me, she says, Do the quiz and literally her name what was her name? Jane, I can't remember Carmel. But she put me on the chair beside Larry and Larry has this incredible ability exactly the same as Dempsey, right? You're the star, mm. not him. Yeah. You become totally comfortable. He's actually interested in you. Mm. And I'm there looking at Larry Gogan as this great star and he's asking me all these questions about myself. i go, going, well, what, hello? So I did the quiz. I won the quiz. And Larry asked me, <laughs> Larry asked me at the end of the quiz, um, so what do you want to do when you grow up? And I went, uh, I want to do your job, Larry. And Aww. so we had a good old laugh at that. Tell
0: me you have a recording of that.
1: I wish I did. No? I think if RT, you probably do. But to, about about six days later, uh, a phone call came to our house at home. Of course, the phone in the hall on the little table. And it was a guy called Bill O'Donovan who said, Aww. we heard you on uh, the Just a Minute Quiz, Larry Express your interest in wanting to work on the radio. And we were wondering if you'd like to prepare an audition tape uh, for, for us here at Wonderful 2FM. And so I did. And that's so I'll, I'll give you a few names here now, right? There was Alan Corcoran, Philip Cawley, Philip, as I was known then, Jerry Wilson, Peter Collins, and I can't remember who else. And we all got on this panel yeah. and we did various shows for about uh, three years on um, 2FM. Yeah. And in fact, this is this is the strangest thing ever. I. I, you know, I was only a kid. I hadn't a clue. But I did, like, I did a year and a half of Night Train. I did uh, a year and a half of a weekend show. And then, you know, it just, it just didn't happen for me. I was way too young. But somebody said on one of the board's, uh, boards sites recently, uh, wasn't Phil Cawley once on 2FM? And someone said, yeah, here's a recording. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's me, mm-hmm. right, on the Night Train, being visited by Jerry Ryan and Mark Hagney bringing in champagne because it's the last ever night train. Ah, I have no memory of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I here I am listening to myself. Maybe I was so in awe of these two superstars mm. coming in, but that was um, that. Th- that recording is up there. It's on um, boards.ie. That's terrific, uh,
0: Phil. Do people love still love the radio? And do people do you, do you feel people mm. still listening to the radio?
1: have to look at myself uh, and, and think about that. I love the Ryan Tuberty type of radio. I like a bit of chat. I like a bit of music uh, because, let's face it, we can get our own music on Spotify now. I like to hear voices. I, I'm a big fan of news talk. I like the way they do. They're, I like uh, the hard shoulder um, even I think you know what I think. Pat Kenny's a better broadcaster in news talk than he ever was in RTE. Mm. That's that's kind of where I am. Mm. Um, I, I like uh, Dave Moore uh, in the mornings because Dave will you know do a little piece, but Dave knows when to shut up. Sometimes you know, mm-hmm. just play mm-hmm. play a bit of music. Mm-hmm. There are some uh, radio presenters that don't know when to shut mm. up, and 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 they don't take direction. Mm. And you know it by listening to them. Yeah. Uh, for me, radio, I I have a passion for radio, but I love a bit of personality. Um, I don't like this smashy and icy type DJ because that's kind of we don't need that anymore you know get AI to do that but I like personality and I like opinion mm. and I, I like to hear a bit of self-deprecation mm-hmm. you know because you, it's important to be able to relate to the audience
0: and I still think there's life in the old dog yet. Yeah. So from where you're sitting, where you feel that there's still that 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 because there's numbers which suggest that radio is still absolutely huge in Ireland. Well,
1: Ireland is very unique, first mm. of all, because we love talk, we love chatting. Yes. You know, and that's why radio is doing well. I think local local radio um, has a very important place in Ireland. I think from an entertainment point of view, um, like I mean, today FM do a great job with entertainment and great music. It's hard, though, when you see 30% of your income being taken straight away from Facebook and you've got to rethink that 30 to 40% of your advertising revenue is gone. Um, So you've got to get creative. And that's why there are no more disc jockeys. There are content creators. Oh, yeah. It's a word I hated when mm, I first mm, heard mm. it, but but if you think about it practically, you know what else is there to do? Because we don't pick our own music anymore on yeah. radio, so you know, and so you've got to get creative. Mm. And I've always, I you know, you know, Paul Howard. I, I loved when Paul Howard said once, and Paul's a neighbour of mine, so we do have chats from time to time. Paul said that um, I think it was Maeve Binchy that said to him, "The best content you can get is listening to people." You know, when you meet people, hear them, and even if you're sitting in a pub or on the bus, listening to conversations, you'd be surprised the the fodder you get from that. And and that's where I I kind of am uh, uh, on the radio now. I just oh geez, you never guess what I saw this morning at the side of the road, just as you come around the corner yeah. from bally You. and straight away the ears go up. So yeah. so I like that sort of thing. Yeah. But there is life in radio. I like radio. Um, but I, it is it is definitely changing You'd have to ask the big question Like I have a teenage daughter That has never listened to the radio And I ask her She'd listen if she's forced When I'm on the radio Her mother has it on in the car mm. Doesn't even know what the radio is mm. I, In fact I said to her Can you name one person from the radio She said Ryan Toberty. Mm. Right um, But that's the way radio goes But then Because we're not recruiting More and more young people To radio as we see mm. these days it doesn't mean that we should be ignoring the 40 to 60-year-olds. Mm. And I think an awful lot of radio stations are ignoring the 40-year-olds mm. because they're not ABC ones or whatever that blooming thing mm. is. And, you know, you'd wonder about that. And also, one of the biggest threats to radio is um, the smart speaker. You know, and I think it was at Bauer Media that uh, did this campaign recently, which makes you think that if you have a smart speaker in your kitchen, you can ask Alexa or whoever it is to play any radio station from any part of the world illegal or legal and it will get an equal playing in your kitchen as your local radio station or your local national station so I think what they're trying to do is in, in different franchise areas to try and prioritise your local stations and Irish radio stations in Ireland mm. how are they going to do it I have no yeah. idea but it's certainly something you could think of like if Joe Bloggs next door sets up uh, Mario Rosenstock FM and it's an illegal stream he doesn't have a license or anything like that you'll still be able to get him on your smart speaker Alexa Mm. play Mario Rosenstock FM Mm. equal to all other stations Mm. so that's definitely something that's worrying
0: are you worried now Mario? Well actually yes you've made me think about stuff that I haven't thought about in a long time (laughs) Uh, smart speaker stuff is scary yep as if AI wasn't enough to be worried about. I know
1: this is where your brand is important, <laughs> and your content is important, mm. and your following is important. Yeah. you know, so you got to combine the whole lot, and uh, it's like it's like starting
0: all over again. Mm. Phil Cawley, thank you so much for being on the Mario Rosenstock podcast and finally getting it over the line. You are an incredible pro. I'm delighted and proud and privileged to have known you for 22, 23, 24 years. You're a great human being, a great person with a fantastic voice. And long, long may you continue. (laughs) Phil. Thanks so much, Mario. Thank you. My thanks to Phil Cawley for coming up again and uh, redoing the interview um, it's always a tricky experience to do that, but but actually the second interview was rather different to the first interview um, and uh, great to catch up with Phil. Um, once again, thanks to you for listening. Um, if you can do me one favour, just tell one other person that you enjoy this podcast and tell them, tell them to subscribe and follow, maybe like yourself. Thanks. See you same time, same place next week.